the spice in it. There it is. Really? Okay. He wants a response. He wants a reaction. No one really cares. No one really cares. No one really cares. No one cares. No one cares. Nobody cares. No, you? No. No one. No one actually cares. Nobody. None. No one. Welcome back, everyone, to the No One Really Cares podcast. My name is... Uh, no one really cares. And we're here with... Blade. <laughs> now, this is an anonymous podcast, and the man sitting next to me has chosen to go by the name Blade. I think it's quite fitting. Hey, you know what? Uh, I was out on a trip with some teammates, and that day, I had just freshly shaven. I was wearing some glasses, some sunglasses that I got for my birthday, and I put them on, not realizing that I was going to look like any other person but myself, and one person goes, yo, he looks like Blade, <laughs> and then since then, it's just been a thing that stuck. So a man of many personas, Blade, what's the ice guy from The Incredibles? What's his name? Frozone. Frozone? Go ahead and do it if you want it. <laughs> Honey, where is my super suit? <laughs> And then uh, um, I'm also being called Juice now, so. Oh damn! So you got a lot of you got a lot of nicknames. Mm-hmm. That is indeed what happens. And so we have we have one of my old oldest actually. Oh my god, dude! One of my oldest third friends. grade. Really? Was it fourth grade? No, fourth. Grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. With Miss Bleep Choi. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna he- we're gonna talk about a few things. We have a. Both of us have quite a wide range of interests, but I want to start with who both of us think, I think, actually, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player of all time. Ooh, this debate. Man. Let me, let me back up just before people, people start like getting on me about this. LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time because he's done it on multiple teams. He's went to the finals for seven straight years on multiple eight. teams. Eight, eight straight years on multiple teams. Regardless of if you, if you win it or not, he also is going up against so many future Hall of Famers, way more than Jordan, and was basically doing himself about half the time. Yeah, I think I believe like the first eight years of it, uh, the first eight years of his career, he was just by himself with the Cavs, but he still made it to the playoffs. And then when everything changed, is when he joined the Heat. And was able to go eight consecutive years to the finals. So, I mean, not even Jordan could do that. I mean, he three-peated twice, which is in and of itself an incredibly ridiculous feat. But at the same time, you know, to be in LeBron's shoes, to play your first, what, like eight years of your career with the Cavs and then not having a super functional team to then being with the Heat, you've got Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and then like now you get the ball rolling and living up to your potential and then even going past that. I don't know. That's I, I love that. I love LeBron's story. So in my in my opinion, again, it's LeBron for me. Yeah, and I think his story has made me like him a lot more. I only ever started watching basketball in about the sixth grade. That's when mm-hmm. LeBron went to the finals for the second time. Sorry, for maybe the second or third time. It was when he won with Drafted the Heat. Drafted in 2003. Yeah. He won with the right. Heat against the Celt. The first ring he won. Okay, <laughs> fuck it. Nobody it's ever remembers the team. It's hard, okay. And I, my opinion of him has changed over the years because I, I thought he was a crybaby, um, especially when he was in his first couple years with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, this guy's a crybaby. A lot of people think that. Yeah, I also used to think that he's was a diva. But throughout the years, my opinion of him has changed. And I think a huge reason of that, not only is because of his accomplishments mm-hmm. or the fact that he's changed completely as a player, but that fact that he stands for something now and he's more than an athlete. And for me, that really speaks a whole lot more volumes than him just being a player on the court. And I think that's what people like us like him more because he is more of an athlete. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, him and him, Chris Bosh, CP3, and Melo and D Wade, you know, came out in the, what was it, 2016 SPs? Yeah. Yeah, 2016 SPs and made that message. And I think that totally changed the perspective on athletes and pushed them to a new stratosphere of, you know, hey, we're athletes, but we have the power, the stage, and the voice to be able to make change that hits home for us. And so, you know, back in Jordan's era, there weren't that many players that were doing that. I mean, we all know Muhammad Ali was outspoken, like very, like a lot about. I mean, he used to go by Cassius Clay. Think about that. He did change his name to Muhammad Ali. So I think that you know, with how cerebral LeBron is, and how you know, we know he's very knowledgeable. For him to be so to then come out and do that I think is a result of him having paid to a lot of different players over his lifetime and then you know doing his studying and everything and then you know one day he was just like you know we got to do something and then in today's day and age with you know social media you get the exposure to TV everything like that it just it took off running I look up to LeBron as my guide and example as to how I want to deal with these things and how I want to make an impact because he quite frankly he's kind of like the blueprint you know he's everybody knows lebron as not just a basketball player but lebron the advocate you know he opened up his own school like he does so many great things off the basketball court that we can't say that very much about other basketball players and you're an athlete right yes i am and you as an athlete one who is especially aspiring to be a pro athlete how does what he does on a grand scale affect what you would like to do in your own communities. So for me, it's, again, like I said, it was like LeBron's the blueprint, right? So I get to look at what he's doing. And then I think about, hey, I'm in this position right now. How can I personally reach, you know, other people? I obviously I can't do it to the scale that he's doing it right now, but I can at least get the ball rolling. So, you know, things are just have starting with conversation is really the biggest one. So starting with conversation, getting involved with the community, then seeing the other side, because we live in a very, I'd say, affluent area, probably very easy to miss these things because we we've taken it for granted all, all our lives that we live in this area that we don't get to see or at least we don't try to see these things that, that are in our own community. So really just trying to take a peek behind the curtain or the smoke, basically, that that is in our community and seeing like, OK, we have these issues what can we do to address those? So a lot of community things can involve just having conversation, you know, setting up um, safe spaces for kids, you know, mm. uh, opening up a school is that is a very, very grand task. But if I can one day imitate that and do what LeBron did, that'd be awesome. So that kind of goes to like another point that I had about LeBron. And I think there's been a lot of athletes in their time who've had a ripple effect. Um if you will, Michael Jordan rippled through quite a few communities, especially through mm-hmm. broadcasting what basketball is and, and frankly helped make the NBA what it is today. Definitely. Kobe had his own ways that he did it as well. But 
everyone who's our age and like lower mid twenties, mm-hmm. whenever they're throwing little pieces of paper into the trash cans, they were yelling like Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. You know, that that's a pretty big mm-hmm. impact. That it not only inspired people to be things like Do you think people yelled Jordan before Kobe <laughs> happened? They probably said bird. <laughs> <laughs> but but when it comes to LeBron, it's not just about the basketball. And as you are an example of it not just being athletics, mm-hmm. the way you're remembering him is how he did it on a grand scale, holistically. Mm-hmm. He did it not just on the court. Off the court, He too. did it off the court, too. And that's what people are talking about is his legacy right now. Mm-hmm. Kobe, I don't believe, had a show called The Shop. Michael no. Jordan didn't have anything like that either. Le- LeBron really took advantage of where others didn't step up in to do it himself, right? So, and and in doing so, gained more exposure. So, I mean, we, we know Le- uh, Kobe and... MJ have their own basketball leagues or teams that they sponsor and everything, which is fantastic. But when you think about their exposure to the world as a whole, I quite frankly don't hear very much about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, they're not doing great things, but they're definitely helping out in their communities. Right. But on a grand scale of things, being able to reach out to you know, younger kids, younger adults, and making an impact on their lives, we don't get to see that on a daily basis. But LeBron's involvement in, you know, building a school and his continuously uh, participating and advocating for, you know, Black Lives Matter, but not just that, but equality for all people of color is, it's it's there. It's there. You see it all the time. And we know Kobe did that too, but not to the scale that, you know, LeBron has his own TV show, right? Mm. He, he has that. He's very, very active on social media. Kobe was the same way, you know, rip Kobe, but until he passed away. But when you, you compare and contrast them career-wise off the court, LeBron has done just about as much, if not more, than Kobe and MJ did to help out not only in their own communities, but have ripple effects, like you said, yeah. across um, the nation and then the world at the same time. So another thing that I really like about LeBron, um, and it's kind of interesting when I first learned about this, I learned that there's a lot of other celebrities that have done things like this. Do you have any chance what I'm, what I'm talking about right before I say it? I'm just curious. <laughs> um, no, I'm dropping a blank. <laughs> We're talking about who he is married to. He's stuck with his high school, high school sweetheart. sweetheart. Yep. For, and he has, what, three, four kids? He has three or three four kids. kids. Three kids. Bryce, Bronny, and Zuri. Zuri, okay. Mm-hmm. And you and I are both in interracial relationships. Yep, this is very true. Literally every single relationship I've ever been in has been an interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've really received much, I wouldn't say like backlash from, I don't think like any community, I haven't received it from well, almost all the women, no, literally all the women have been black, mm-hmm. but I haven't received any backlash from my community or the black community for this. But I know that you, as a black man, who is dating someone who is white, Mm -hmm. might have had a different experience. So what are your experiences with that been like? Ooh, well, I mean, just like you, for the majority of my relationships, they've mostly been interracial. I've had maybe two or three, actually three, that have been, you know, within my own um, community. I've faced backlash from both the white community and the black community, but more so on the black community side. You know, when we first started dating, we'd go public places, right? And I'd tell 
my girlfriend, I'd be like, hey, you know, there's there's an older white couple that's, you know, looking at us. They're giving us the eye or whatever the case is. And she was just like, oh, really? Like, I, I didn't even expect that. And just like nonchalantly, like, it just, but she wasn't aware, right? Now, throughout the years that we dated, like, she became more and more and more aware of these things. And, you know, it bothered her because she was just like, well, why are people looking at us like that? You know, I explained to her because they don't want us to be together, right? Um, when it's come to black women, uh, funnily, Wait, do, you, do you think that they don't want you to be be together, or they're not used to seeing people of different races so, together? Are we talking about the white community? Or are we talking both. about the black community? Okay, both. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both, but at the same time, interracial relationships are a lot more common and accepted now. But you, of course, you do have people who are just like, nah, you should be dating within your own race and so on and so forth. And some of the things I've heard from the black community, you know, you're know, like, why are you just dating, you know, white women or whatever the case is? And it's like, it's not that I just want to date white women, but think about it. You know, I was born in a different nation, right? My exposure in that nation was primarily white women. You know, I grew up in a place for an extended period of my life where in a relationships were just fine. You know, nobody looked down on it. They talked it up. They accepted it. They understood it as a way of life and that you like what you like, right? So then when I came here to, you know, the United States to have that shock of interracial relationships, especially between a black man and a white woman being looked down upon, frowned upon, you know, even hated upon was uh, culturally shocking for me. And I think uh, a word that I really picked up on when you were describing this right now mm-hmm. is what was the word should. Mm-hmm. And you said that, I don't know if it was the white or the black community, you said that you should be dating. That's black community the, for sure. Yeah, that you should be dating. So it's interesting because first off, and I think maybe this is me defending myself to anyone who thinks that I should be, that I should be dating. <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't or should be doing anything. I should be doing anything or anything that I mm-hmm. want. Or that I like. And really, at the end of the day, it's your relationship with whoever Mm -hmm. it is. And everyone else who has opinion on it, guess who is a part of that relationship? It is you and that person. And if you are taking those shoulds into account, then you're not in a relationship with those two people. You're bringing everyone else into Mm -hmm. it. You know? I think, and this is just through experience. I feel like I've been a little bit more happy the less I've let people into the nitty gritty things oh, about absolutely. my relationship. I remember when I first started dating, I basically used to tell my friends and I do, I still do to an extent. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Don't, don't think I'm, not, I'm like leaving mm-hmm. you guys out. Yeah. But I, I used to just tell them everything, like every fight, hell, every like great encounter, every like bad encounter. It would, mm-hmm. they, they had the entire relationship. But the difference is we never judged you for who you were dating, you know, based off of skin color. We just, what we judged on was, character and you know how those conversations happen out because i mean at the end of the day you're a boy right so we're always going to have your best interest at heart and we're always going to be looking out for you but there's a difference between judging somebody based off of the color of their skin and judging them off the what they have you know as when i say what they have i meant as like their character what they say what they stand for you know how they treat you and so on and so forth so we never looked at it as like, oh, wow, he's dating somebody who's, you know, not in his yeah. in, in his community or whatever the case is. <laughs> no, don't is, worry. You, know? you guys are not the ops here. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm just yeah. laying the groundwork for I what's think when it comes, I think when it comes, 
here, here's an, let me play devil's advocate though. I think the place where these shoulds come mm-hmm. from is always from a community that wants to keep their community like pure or intact. So even though I am 100% of my race, I have two ethnicities that I represent, right? Mm-hmm. And even within those ethnicities, um, at least my family had received backlash for them being multiple ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're not even like out of the race at this point. Mm-hmm. We're talking about ethnic groups in this point. Yep. And we're still dealing with this shit. Mm-hmm. And the reason they were doing this is because they wanted to keep that, that ethnic group pure. So unfortunately, it comes from, I think, what is more of like a, we don't want things to change. I hate mm-hmm. to say the word conservative, but it kind of is. Like they don't, they don't want what they're they, they like, they're to They're very become. stuck in their ways. Stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. I'm all for interracial relationships. I don't knock people. I, okay. I try as hard as I can not to knock people for it. I mean, everyone, I feel like everyone does it like a, a little bit, just a little bit, but <laughs> probably <laughs> to a little, to, to a certain extent. I'm all for interracial relationships then because I think it's great to like learn things about Mm -hmm. other cultures and to experience other things as well. The things that you learn by putting yourself out there in the sense of immersing yourself into somebody else's culture, honestly, it just makes you better. You know, you, you understand that there's multiple points of views and ways of dealing with things that you don't get if you just stay you know, within your own community, within your own ethnicity, if, if either way you want to look at it, because your own community has one way of looking at things, but another community has a different way of looking at things. And if you want to be able to relate to people and fix issues and fix problems, you have to be able and willing to immerse yourself into those cultures, understand where they're coming from, and then come to, you know, some kind of middle ground. Yeah, I think that's very well said. So if you could leave your audience with one piece of advice, mm-hmm. if they are going to be in, in an interracial relationship or are considering it or are looking upon other people who have interracial relationships, what would you say to them given your experiences? My experience, through my own experience, it would definitely be, you know, have an open mind. Have an open mind and understand that you will run into issues with not only your significant other, but, you know, that's it, your significant other's parents and the other people that they may know and others on the outside who are looking in, be prepared to have those conversations. Be prepared to maybe change somebody's mind and definitely stand up for your relationship no matter what. Um, at the end of the day, you don't want to let somebody else change your mind, your spirit, whatever it is, on how you view your own relationship or how you view other people in interracial relationships because interracial relationships are just as beautiful as same race relationships, right? So, you know, if you're going to be a successful couple in an interracial relationship, you are going to have to have these conversations. It can't just be swept under the rug. You know, you're going to be put in uncomfortable situations and if you're going to make it out and be and be stronger on the other side of things having these conversations is definitely going to help so again if you're going to be in a interrelation interracial (laughs) jesus interracial relationship just have an open mind have these conversations um and just be prepared to you know expand your own view on things i think that's really well said well 
We have covered quite a wide range of topics in this last 20 minutes. I hope people who are listening have learned something, have maybe opened their mind to certain things as well, and thought of your legacy and the people around you and all the things that you've seen so Mm -hmm. far in the media as far as athletes and what legacy they are leaving behind as we move forward. So thank you guys for listening. Enjoy. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of No One Really Cares. I hope you are enjoying your journey with me as we navigate through a variety of topics and guests. And I hope you learned a thing or two. Directed by No One Really Cares. Produced by No One Really Cares. Written by No One Really Cares. Edited by, you guessed it, No One Really Cares.